Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, I'm here with Cade Barrett. We are still together. For those of you who follow <laughs> us on social media, we had a little bit of a scare. A little bit. We, we were close to uh, ending the partnership, having our falling out. Uh, I had half my, my bags packed and boxes packed to move out of the office, but... We salvaged it, and we're here for we another episode of our podcast, and we I did. think we should be good to go moving forward. I think we will. And so today, we're actually going to talk about something pretty interesting. A lot of people report to us or refer to us for our experience yeah, uh, with real estate teams. Yeah. Uh, and so we wanted to kind of give a brief rundown of our experience, maybe our recommendation. If you're thinking about getting in the business, this is going to be more of a realtor uh a realtor-based podcast versus yeah. we do a lot about investments and we sometimes neglect the fact that our full-time job is as a realtor. Yeah. So. And granted, I mean, talk, talking about real estate teams in the realtor sense, but understanding that that, that can also carry over in a sense to an investment company, mm-hmm. somebody like Jason, who's who's got a full-fledged running business and, and maybe starting under somebody instead mm-hmm. of just going full-on by, by yourself, not Absolutely. knowing what to do. So... Um, Let's start with a little bit, at least uh, a brief rundown about how each of us got into the business and how we kind of started with the real estate teams, if you want to go. Yeah. So like I listen to a lot of podcasts and it seems like a lot of people got into like the real estate game. I guess even like they were like reading books about it and all that. Uh, And I think you even kind of had something like that going on. But mine was more of a stroke (laughs) of luck, it seems. Like I was just working as a, as a barista and selling coffee and uh, met a realtor and found out about real estate uh, kind of through word of mouth. And so I ended up going on. I didn't even realize there was other ways of getting into the industry, um, but I got on via an apprenticeship essentially. And I started working as like an unlicensed assistant and saw the value that I was getting from just being around people like that. Uh, met a whole bunch of people over at Iron Key and uh, eventually they paid for me to get my license um, or at least they helped subsidize it. Uh, Benny actually paid my first six months of my MLS fees, which was really cool because uh, at the time I was just not in a position that I could afford. You know, it's probably a couple grand to start up. Yeah. And so, you know, it was really influential for me. I didn't even know there was another route. And looking back, I would do it 100% the exact same way all over again if that's how I got back into real estate. Yeah. Yours is a little bit more, you know, educated. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A little bit different. Um, I had been following a guy on Instagram. I don't even remember how I came across him or how I even started following him, but Manny Koshman over on Instagram, big, uh, commercial guy out of Southern California. So I had been following him for a little bit on Instagram. I picked up um, one or two of his real estate books that he had published, and I had read them. And then I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, this stuff is kind of cool." But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a first first year college student at the time, and I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, this stuff is cool. But I, <laughs> I'm in my first year of college. I, I just need to get through school, right? Yeah. Um, and then kind of the same thing as you. After that, like a stroke of luck in order to get introduced into the business um both of us meeting benny or meeting someone affiliated with benny and then just kind of getting started rolling after you had kind of gotten licensed i kind of started what you were doing first which was just doing kind of admin stuff and um 
being an assistant and doing all all the tedious tasks right yeah. and then kind of followed the same route as you going from the assistant to getting licensed and then being on the team as a licensed agent so yeah you know it's funny too because looking back i remember where i was at when you joined and it was like i was working ridiculous hours i was trying to help benny and jason in certain things but like you and i are so good at different things that like you took the position I was in to a different level. Mine was really Benny and I winging it, and I was helping him <laughs> with some social media, and I was going and running errands for him on things that non-licensed people could do, like, hey, can you go run over and meet this person yeah. uh, to grab, you know, this paperwork and then, you know, come back. Like, it's already done. Just go pick it up from their office. Yeah, sure. You know, but by the time you got in, you were really doing more, like, data tracking and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah, more data tracking um you know uh, soi pushouts for letters and envelopes and stuffing these and doing that and yeah um trying to get get branding and and posting just like everything like consistent and just kind of yeah. kind of the same thing as you it was kind of which is how it was how it's supposed to be right i mean if you hire somebody and then they graduate and move on to the next level when someone new comes in you've got a blueprint and then the goal would be to elevate it just like with Benny's new, uh, well, not so new now, but new assistant slash operation, operations manager took what you and I were doing to, I mean, a completely a new level. level from there, right? So yeah. I think 100% that's exactly what the goal would be. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, Clayson wasn't the same as every other team. I think part of that no. was because we built it, right? Because yes. when I joined, Clayson wasn't even a concept. By the time I joined, it was me and Benny. We talked about a partnership which I had no clue how I could be a partner in a relationship that I was only giving. I was bringing way less value. But then by the time like I got licensed, Benny and Jason were like, dude, why don't we build a team, me and, ben, or me and Jason, and you be our first team member? And I was all on board for it. I had no ego at that point when it came to like my ability in this business. Yeah. And so I did all like the branding and all that. But we also like, they came to me with a proposition like, hey, you know, we'll take a portion of your splits, but we're going to teach you real estate sales, real estate investing. Um, unlike a lot of other teams, I was able to take my own listings. I was able to flip my own homes, things like that. Um, and it wouldn't all get put under their names. So I get credit for it on the MLS, which yeah. isn't a huge deal. But just for like, you know, marketing purposes, maybe there's an algorithm on Zillow. Um, you know, it was a really cool proposition statement. I think that was part in parcel with the fact that we built out the team. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little more. Let's talk about first the traditional team structure, which when I started on Clayson, I thought that was kind of like the normal, <laughs> the normal I team structure, right? I, I had no idea that Clayson is like, like one in a million <laughs> or like it a needle in a haystack yeah, of teams. Team. So real estate you, team, sorry, go ahead. Well, how did you find out about the real the team structure? At what point did you get introduced to this is how like because when you're working as our you know like executive assistant or team assistant, yeah, like did you know what our splits and all that were? So the only uh, I did not, I was not told that information up front. I think I just kind of got the sense and got the gauge just from talking with you and talking with Ashley about like, okay, so I mean, obviously you guys are licensed. What what is your guys's day look like what does yeah. your pay structure look like what are you guys doing compared to me and yeah. then obviously um 
moving on along in the position and just having conversations with Benny and Jason, I mean, I got the sense of the tiered structure for the splits and X, Y, and Z. So, gotcha. but more so I think at least in the beginning, just kind of talking and yeah. with, with you and Ashley. Cause that was where the difference in the teams, yeah. like the history mattered. Cause it was like, for mine, it was like, I just got negotiated up front Yeah, <laughs> and yours. I didn't know when you found out. Yeah. Yeah. So going back traditional team structures, in real estate, which is, I mean, even other teams in the very first office we started at Iron Key and then now at KW, I mean, the traditional team structure is a team member comes on and nine times out of 10, if you're a team member, you're going to be a buyer's agent, Yeah, which means you're going to be representing buyers on the purchase of a home. If you have a listing lead come in, or if you have somebody who wants to list your home, mm -hmm. you would then refer that to the team leader. Mm -hmm. You would not be listing the home. Right. Right. You would get a portion of the sale still from a larger portion than what you would have got if you didn't bring in the list. Exactly. But you would, like you were saying, not get credit for the sale because your yeah. name would not be on the listing agreement and you would not be handling the sale, right? You're, yeah. you're kind of like a referral. You're, you're handing it off for a fee. Um, and then similar to what we were saying, but a real estate team will have splits. So what's kind of based on what you've seen, what's kind of some traditional split structures for a team? Well, and so, and, like, why, and why are there splits? Yeah. On a team? Well, and so for somebody who's not in the real estate industry already, who's thinking about it, the way like you get paid in our industry comes from a percentage of the sales price. Right. And so you pre-negotiate that with the client, uh, the listing agent typically does, and they set the price for both the listing and the buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. You get paid out through a broker. And how that works is unless you're the broker yourself, your broker that you hang your license with, for us, that would be Keller Williams. Keller Williams gets paid out our commission. We work on behalf of Keller Williams. And then Keller Williams distributes their money to us. They keep a portion for their operating and for their profit. And then if you're on a team, your team leader would take a portion and then you'd get the residual. So typically how that would break down, depending on a brokerage, and I'm not going to negotiate for somebody right now, but when I started, it started with a 50% split. Mm -hmm. I walked home with 50% of my commission. So if I made 10 grand on a sale, I made 5,000 before taxes and expenses. Then my team leader would make, you know, either 30 or 40% depend, depending on what they have split with their broker and their broker took, you know, 10% or 20%. Yeah. And that amount does scale, you know, just like on a team, your split with your broker is negotiable. Yeah. So how that worked was that was for my first 3 million in sales in volume, not in commissions. So 3 million in sales in our market is about 10 sales. And the reason why they have it is because it's an educational process. Um, and then after that, then it bumped up to 60 and then to 75. And typically on a team, you can never reach a hundred percent commission. Right. No. And, and why is that? It's a for-profit business. Exactly. So the big thing is that people forget sometimes that like a team leader pours a lot into you. We found out how much we were sucking time from our team leaders when we got off the team and we realized like, oh my gosh, I would have just gone and asked a question right now. You know, and you start realizing like, okay, the amount of money that we're paying them to the amount of time they're giving, it, it's a balance. Some teams, I would say, don't get the amount of coaching that they deserve mm -hmm. for the amount they're paying. 
Oh, absolutely. We might have been on the other side where we were getting more time than we were paying for. I 100% agree. And it varied between week to week. Yeah. But we got to a point where we finally we were able to branch off. We didn't need to take their time. Yeah. And they didn't need our money. And we all agreed that it would be better this way. But, yeah, so normally in a team agreement, you can't get to 100%. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Because if you are out on your own, you're never going to get to 100% with your broker anyways. So you're only really negotiating the percent that you're giving to your team leader. Yeah. And I think that leads a little bit to um, what we were saying. So say you guys, there, there's someone out there who is taking their real estate classes or thinking about starting that those online classes and wanting to get licensed and thinking, you know, should I just try and start out on my own and save a couple bucks, you know, by not paying a split or should I start out under a team or this, that, and the other? Let's run down a little bit, at least in our experience and what we've seen, some pros and cons of of being on a team. I know you mentioned a couple right there, yeah. but let's kind of do an overview um, just for the people who are listening to see kind of what, what they can get their thoughts on. Well, you go first. I mean, not in like an order of the yeah. best pro, but like what yeah. are some of the ones that you feel are pretty big? So... Pros, 100% would be, like we were saying, mentorship and coaching, right? Yes. Typically, if you're joining a team, the team leader, leader or team leaders are have been in the business for a while. They, uh, If you're joining a team, they should be successful in that business. And yes. they should have a lot of information to share with you and kind of a blueprint of, how to go from where you are as a newbie and bring you up, you know, to, to your full potential. Yeah. Right. And so you're paying a split and you're getting coaching, you're getting mentorship, not only at least in our experience business wise, but I, I remember we always wanted to be on the same page and they wanted to check in on us, you know, personally, how are things going in your personal life that could be affecting your business, this, that, and the other, I think a hundred percent that had to have been, the biggest pro I experienced and then that and that I've heard from other people on yeah. traditional teams as well is just that mentorship and experience and learning from somebody who's successful and doing well in the business. And we pay for college. Like yeah. like realtors don't need college. I am a prime example. I did not complete my degree. I've only been asked about it one time. And yes, I lost the listing that one time and I have not lost a, a wink of sleep about it. No. When we look at the amount that you pay, if you're paying only 25% of your production and in your first year you sell 3 million and you make, you know, 3% of 3 million, which is about 10 or uh, what's 3% of 3 million? Nine grand? Yeah, three times Maybe. three. Yeah. <laughs> I think, no, it doesn't matter. Your, your split is going to be an insignificant amount of money in the grand scheme. Yeah. Over three years, I looked at how much I paid Benny and Jason, and yeah, it was about the same amount as if I had gone to a really good college, but I also made a lot of money for myself, and I got so, so much education, and I have skills now that I'm clearly I'm making more money than I could have ever imagined had I gone and just got a degree in real estate and then came here. Yeah. So. I think you're right. And I think a lot of people are going to forget the fact that like the mentorship and education is the most crucial part because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And with an industry this large, you and I learn brand new things every day. Every agent in our office, I think, could admit that they haven't 
they haven't gone more than a few days without being introduced to something new. Because yeah. just like like kind of like taxes or other <clears throat> laws, things are constantly changing locally and federally. You know, you know, even referencing the COVID nineteen with the lockdowns, we were constantly getting updates on new things that we could do. Like we couldn't do open houses, but we're going to do virtual showings. Yeah, what's a virtual showing? <laughs> all that. So I think that's important, and I think having somebody guiding you through that market shifts and all that. That's yeah, a hundred percent. And another pro that we were talking about is, you know, say you're just starting out and, you know, you may have a smaller sphere of influence, family and friends, or you may have a big one, right? But the biggest thing as a new agent is you got to get your name out there, right? You, mm-hmm. you want that name recognition. You want that brand recognition. And so I think another pro of joining a team that is successful and well-known is the brand recognition, right? Mm -hmm. And with Clayson, obviously when we joined a little bit different situation, especially with you starting Clayson and growing it, it, you know, by the time Clayson was matured and we had like firing on all cylinders and the team was kind of maturing like that, Mm -hmm. Clayson became really well-known throughout the real estate industry by investors, realtors, brokerages. like We had a couple things going on. Yeah. You know, because Jason was running a meetup, and yep. that was important for the investor side. We knew 100%. a lot of people knew us through Jason. Yeah. Um, and then on the resale side, Benny, just recruiting both of us the way that he did, it's already a, a statement about how good he is about being out there and being nice to people and being known. Yeah. Um, and so anybody we worked with, it seemed that they knew Benny Clay. Yeah. You know, and that's still to this day, I'll call an agent and I'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, I worked with Benny Clay. And they're like, oh, Benny Clay, that's my guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, I think you're right. The branding side of it, too, was really important. Yeah. Okay, let's... Well, I have an add-on to that, too. Yeah. Um, when... You work with a team, too, that has that kind of credibility. Mm-hmm. So say you were to go join another good team like uh, Strive. Strive. Right? So Strive's a great example. Strive is a ton of sales. They have great leadership, and they have great consistency in their presence, right? Mm-hmm. It seems everybody I know has a comment from one of either Darren or Cam or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's important about that is if you're going to get your name out there, there's three things about getting like listings and sales, right? It's they know, like, and trust you. And a lot of the times, if you're a pretty good guy, they're already going to know you. They're already going to like you. And they're probably already going to trust you about a lot of things that you know about. The last key factor of the trust would be having trust that you know what you're doing. And you can leverage your team's sales and experience and say, hey, look, you're not just working with me. Yes, I'm going to be representing you on paper. But every day I meet with my team leads and they are selling anywhere between 20 and 30 or 30 million a year for the last 14 years. They've got plenty of experience. And anytime I don't know the answer, I'm happy to go ask them for help. And they'll even touch base with you. I think that's a really, really helpful way to get more clients. I think that's a crazy important point too. And it's funny you mentioned that because when you were saying that, I remember even in our listing packets, our listing presentations, I remember a line being in there about being on a high producing team with X amount of this, that, and the other, and making sure to reiterate that point on the appointment and reassuring that client and building that trust, especially if it's, you know, not someone in your sphere who yeah. may already completely trust you if it's family or close friends. Right. Right. So that, I think that's a crazy important point. And a lot of my sales came from for sale by owners, which are complete strangers. Yeah. And what it proved to me was I was good at, at 
getting the appointment, going on the appointment, building, you know, like a relationship, like a friendliness and like a friendship and then establishing trust. It was really helpful to take Benny with me sometimes, um, but at a bare minimum have on my thing. Hey, look, I work with two top producers. One's a top investor in the area who runs this huge meetup and does tons of sales there. If you ever needed help there, I also work with a top producing agent. We want top producing agent in our office, Yeah, you know, and, and being able to do that. And it allowed me to leverage my way into being a top producer a few yeah. months. And I threw that in there. So now it's like, oh, not only is the team credible, now I've built some credibility over the last year and a half, kind of that, that sort of a thing. Absolutely. And so now flipping to the cons, and the first and foremost thing that everyone will bring up, which depending on your perspective, you know, may, may not really be a con because we, like we were talking about earlier, people pay for college, you pay for that education, um, would be team splits, right? And depending on what that split is or X, Y, and Z, like, like we were talking about starting out at a 50% split. So if yeah. your commission was $10,000, we're walking, walking home with half of that. 5000 before our expenses and before taxes, right? Mm-hmm. And if, like you were saying, you know, if you've got, you know, bills to pay and things to cover and, and stuff like that, it can be really hard to just make a living in real estate if you're, it, it, when you're starting out on, on a split like that. And I know both of us, when we started, we're still working, you know, separate jobs and gathering income separately to supplement you know, the real estate business, which, Mm -hmm. you know, plenty of people do, you got to do what you got to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's important to look at the splits in the perspective, like you had mentioned was kind of like the pain for an education or pain for coaching, like plenty of agents who aren't even on a team pay for coaching, pay for mentorships. It's it's not cheap at all. No, uh, thousands of dollars every year or every, you know, every month. Exactly. So, I think splits are an important thing to take part, uh, you know, to think about when you're evaluating a team or or thinking about joining a team, especially um, taking into account your personal finances and kind of where you at, where you're at personally. But I think I keep falling back to that analogy you made, which was paying for college or paying for an education. That's exactly what the split is there for. And again, like when we look at it this way, like if you're, if you're making you know, if to make a hundred grand in our business, it's typically six, uh, six million is the number. Uh, that's about where you need to be. Yeah. Say you sold six million and you made the hundred grand and you only got paid out 50. You've got the education of it. Teams cover a lot of expenses like signs. Yes. Mail postage. They have a lot of hidden fees. Um, you get the guidance and the education. And then like one of the big things we didn't talk about, a lot of teams provide leads. You yeah. Know, qualified, yeah. ready to go buyers. Yes, you have to put in the time to show them. But I think, you know, I would rather be busy and making a little bit less than be uh, holding up my own ego. Because in my experience, I wouldn't have been able to get started in our business without help. Yeah. Like I, did, I didn't know what real a realtor was. <laughs> a year before I became one. Yeah. But understanding that like there are so many like different aspects that the team covers to help compensate that 50 grand that you paid them. Yeah. A hundred. Per- and I think even in some cases, right. I, and I think that's an important point we glossed over was teams paying for, you know, a combination of things, whether it be your desk rent, 
in the Your office, like you were Which saying, can be a couple hundred bucks a month. A month, yeah. Um, stamps and postage for sending out letters to your SOI and we or mail send out like a hundred dollars worth of postage plus yeah. envelopes is another hundred plus yeah. paper. And like you were saying, not only paying for the actual signs themselves, but also for getting them up and getting them down from listings, paying the person who does that, mm-hmm. um, paying I, for the marketing of the properties, marketing of the properties. And it's like, yes, I mean, it, in some instances, fees. that might be even more <laughs> or, or or close to what you're paying in the split anyway, yeah. right? So, um, and I think falling back uh, on your financial situation, which, I mean, it's it's a lot of things people don't think about, which are those fees that go into running a business that a team can really help supplement and cover in some instances, yeah. which can be super helpful. And it's it's funny because it's run like a business. Like the, the fees that a uh, team lead usually covers are monthly subscriptions. Yeah. Versus you're paying only when you make money. Like the pro to that commission split situation is you're not paying money that you don't have. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're making the money. That's important, you yeah. know? And, and so now that you and I are to a point where we're looking at, we have, constant fees we have overhead they're not huge but they're getting bigger it's like oh like that's an uncomfortable feeling that we're, we got really used to we only pay when we make money now it's like we don't pay this company a referral fee yeah we pay them every month whether or not we make it or not yep so it's an interesting thought the other con that we hear a lot of people complain about is rigid structure mm-hmm. and scheduling i would actually move that to a pro i don't know about you but the, one of the best life hacks that I learned through being on a team was the structuring of a productive realtor, but also like, it's good for my own life. Like I notice that I'm on time to more things. I don't forget about things. I schedule my personal events. Um, and it allows me to have a better work-life balance. I can go back and see if I felt like I was working hard, but I wasn't actually, yeah. or if I felt like I was not working a lot, but I was, I noticed that those are almost always inverse. Yeah. You know? Which is funny because I know I know some people listening and I know there's people out there who look at this business and look at the profession of a realtor and they're like, oh, shoot, I'm a real estate agent. I can make my own schedule. You know, I'm escaping the nine to five, this, that and the other. But I, I would agree with you that having and learning how to make that rigid structure and daily activity. You're not going to be able to make your own schedule if you can't get your business to a point where you're producing enough. And that falls back to having those daily activities yeah. and those must do's in a rigid schedule and making sure they get done for your business to get to a point like that. It's not that you don't work 80 hours a week. It's that you choose which 80 hours <laughs> of the week you work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it goes down. I'm three years in and I noticed that like now I make more money with less work. Now I'm keeping my foot on the accelerator because I want to get into the investing world at a do like at a whole new level. Yeah. And I even want to be in the sales world that way too. But like, had I not understood the, the, just the, the life concept of like, if you task it out, you're more likely to do it. And when at the end of the day, you look back at what you did, you decide whether or not I did what I needed to do. Yeah. First off, when you do it, it builds a lot of confidence. They say that confidence comes from setting a, a, a to-do, like a task, and completing it. That, that's that been very helpful. I have weeks where I hit everything, and by the end of the week, I'm like, I don't even want to stop. I know it's Friday. Yeah. I just want to crush <laughs> through this weekend. I'm on a groove. 
but it also allows me on those weeks where I'm not doing very well. Maybe I'm, you know, like I took all of Tuesday off because yeah. whatever reason, because our business does have that benefit. You know, it's like I took Tuesday off for personal reasons. Well, now it's like, okay, I don't feel good on Friday, but I have to be here, man. Yeah. Like this is it. Yeah. And I think talking about these schedules is important, not only in regards to the team aspect, but at least me personally, I don't know your experience, but that schedule, um, you know, putting things in daily activities and making sure things get done, even getting off the team, which for us was a, was April, right? Mm-hmm. I remember those first couple months and, you know, that kind of rigid schedule, at least for me, kind of tailoring off a little bit for a combination of different reasons, you know, wanting to finish the last two months at school and this, that, and the other, but even getting off the team inherently when you don't have that mentor or that team leader and accountability, it's easy for Uh. things to get flexible. And even getting off the team, I, it was uh, July or August. I remember reaching back out to Jason. I'm like, Jason, can, can we sit down for 45 minutes to an hour? Like, uh, I just need help putting back together a rigid schedule for me every single week. So not only my business can grow and get more consistent, but so I can feel better. I I feel better when, like you were saying, when I can look back and look at the things that I did instead of things having to be wishy-washy and flexible. What was I doing? Exactly. So even when you're not on a team, that aspect is super important and getting that refresher when we had been off the team for, you know, five months at that point was i mean crazy helpful crazy helpful yeah you know it's funny i i don't mean to be wishy-washy on our pros and cons list and going back and forth but that reminded me of a pro uh being on a team was it was like inspirational i think at times i think i can think of all the people that i know that have been on a team with me we all went through times where we considered leaving the industry like quitting the business and we have a huge dropout rate, like 80% of people drop out in the first five years. Yeah. Um, it was crucial for me to meet with Eddie and Jason once a week mm-hmm. and go over how I was feeling about the business and figure out, do I feel good about how I'm doing? Do I feel bad? What can we do to always increase how I feel um, and changing my mindset? Now, not every team's going to do that for you. Um, but being surrounded by people who are doing the same thing as you at a high level was super helpful. You know, if I was an individual agent working from home or maybe I just came into the office and worked at my cubicle and didn't really socialize or talk to people who were selling, not to just go talk about BS, but to go talk about their business. Um, I think I probably would have quit. Like it's not a fun industry if you're not making money because you know, there's a lot of rejection and it's like, it's (laughs) not easy. So you know, I think it, it's that's a really crucial part that I didn't even think about was that, oh, my gosh, like they dragged me out of the gutter like three or four times I can think of where they they sat me down and like not yelled at me, but had, a, had like a stern conversation about you got to change your mindset about this. Yeah. And that plays a big part now, because now when I start seeing myself maybe going down that when I have a bad day, Jason always says, oh, it's OK, you can have a bad day. Just don't have a bad week or a bad month or a bad year. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I have that bad day, that conversation that he and I had goes through my head and I'm like, Oh, that was something that I wouldn't have had from a broker. Yeah. A broker isn't able to do that for every person. Yeah. They have times where they do, but not the same level as somebody who is mentoring you. And I think, and at least speaking more to that, not only having, um, that from your team leads, but I think 
the important aspect for me, which started just in the assistant role was the team camaraderie, right? Yeah. Like me being not only, you know, meeting with Benny and Jason and having those one-on-ones and having them, but being around like you and Ashley and then Joe and Bailey, when they joined the team, just that team camaraderie, which kind of falls back to being in an environment where, you know, people, uh, us inspiring each other, kind of doing the same thing, but it feels a little bit different because it's mm-hmm. somewhat, it, it's one of your peers as, as opposed to somebody you look toward to as a mentor figure. I think that team camaraderie, yeah. um, that for me was awesome. And going back to what you were saying, um, you know, like, like for inspiration, I mean, that started with me as an assistant, just looking at you and Ashley and just being like, Oh, and talking with you guys and inspiring me, go get my license. And then when everyone's licensed, you know, someone just popped off this listing or got this deal under contract. It's like, Oh crap. Like that's freaking awesome. Let's like, let's go. And I think, it's funny you said like being like shunned in your own cubicle and stuff like I, I don't think you're going to find success by just being shunned away in a cubicle and not networking and being around people who are doing business yeah. or not only maybe not doing business, but facing some similar struggles that you are and relating to them in that way and figuring out, all right, how do we get over this and yeah. how do we go pop off and do some business? Yeah. And then you come to a point in time where you start producing at a, a high enough rate where you can start really considering getting off and being your own individual agent. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of pros of being an individual agent. You know, the increased income is definitely important. You make your own decisions mm-hmm. and you can move at a little bit faster speed about certain things. I think that's really helpful. But I think that you need to be at a certain point. And, and I think uh, if you're a new agent, my personal recommendation will be to join a high-producing, reputable team. And I don't think that every team is made equal. And uh, I, I will be the first to say that Clayson was a team that I was extremely happy to be on. And I think it was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. But if you can find yourself with a group of people who are genuinely looking out for your best interest um, and who are not abusing you, you know, either verbally through your own workplace or through treatment of you via time, um, but who are pushing you, you know, they can be very easily misconstrued if they're abusing you or pushing you. Um, and it all comes from the people's uh, intentions. Yeah. And I think it would be helpful if you're thinking about getting into the industry to talk to people, you know, like myself or Cade um, or other people who have been on a team like Ashley or other people mm-hmm. and get their opinion on what team to join. Because yeah. not every team is made the same. And correct me if I'm wrong. So if you guys haven't been able to tell, at least from our conversations and what we've been talking about, I would say strongly that our recommendation would be if you're looking um, into the business for most people um, on the right, that choosing the right team, if you're picking a, a reputable and strong team, I think a thousand percent, that's what I would recommend to get started in the business. It'll be a hundred percent. It will pay out a lot more than the commission split you'll pay in. And even if you don't like it, one year on that team will change your understanding of the industry. And it might save you a lot of time if you don't like the industry. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, that's okay. And if, and if you do like it, but you want to do it different, maybe you want to do it part time or whatever, you can do that. But at least you know what it's like to be on a top producing team and you'll know what a top producing agent does. Um, you know, that's the really important part for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 
for you guys who are out there looking to get licensed, um, are already in the process of getting licensed, and you're still kind of a little bit overwhelmed as to you know what's next, what should I do, um, this, that, and the other, and are just looking for advice, guidance, uh, more questions that we mm-hmm. didn't answer in today's episode, please reach out to us directly on Instagram, or I mean, our phone numbers are plastered all over social media too. Shoot us a text. Um, I know we'd be more than happy to kind of share our experiences, kind of help put you guys at ease a little bit and just provide anything we can to you guys. Absolutely. Before we hop off, I do want to kind of translate this over to the average investor. Yeah. Your guys' situation is a little different. Um, There's not an abundance of of real estate investing teams. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to get on a team or that kind of a relationship, your best method would be to be an apprentice and or an assistant. If you have no investing experience, I would go to an investor and provide whatever value you have. Maybe you're coming from a financial background. Maybe you're coming from a marketing background. Maybe you're coming from high, uh, you know, college or school and you're very used to tedious work. That's something that you can leverage because a big investor doesn't want to do tedious work and they're willing to pay exorbitant amounts more than it's worth to get that done by somebody else. And I think, uh, all the things that we just talked about, you know, splitting your profits, uh, uh, accountability, um, all the cons and pros that came with being on a real estate sales team is the same as being an apprentice with an investor. The only difference is it's less structured. Yeah. it's, It's a little bit different. And so I would still recommend that if you're getting into investing, you know, I wouldn't try to just cut your teeth by, you know, going out and putting out offers and canceling deals and all that. I would start with somebody who knows what they're doing, get to a high level there and then branch out and work. A hundred percent. And I think it's important too to keep in mind and it'll depend on the position or the investor and stuff like that. But I know a lot of positions like what we're talking about, like an apprenticeship or something like that. Um, important to keep in mind that usually those are, you know, commission-based income Mm -hmm. only as well. You know, depending on the situation, you may have hourly in addition to um, bonuses or commission. You're not going to make a lot. I mean, you're right. That's the fact of the matter. But, you know, being able to be an apprentice and and learn that under the investment side and still get, you know, popped off income as deals come by and being able to see the process from start to finish – Again, I mean, that that in and of itself, if you can take advantage of that and put in the work, that yeah. in, the, in and of itself is is priceless because your income, uh, you know, ha- has no bounds if you can apply that and, and do it. you can learn it and do it. And if you're an investor, too, the other thing is you can easily go get a restaurant job or an evening yeah. job yep. because your job doesn't require you to go show property in the evening. Yep. And if you're a realtor, you can, too. I mean, I did it. You've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a realtor, maybe you go work at a coffee shop and you, you work the you know Starbucks 4 a.m. to 11 a.m. Yeah. shift and you have your evenings off. Like, look, man, you're going to have to cut your teeth, but you're going to do it in a way that's going to be structured. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Well, again, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode uh, with us talking about real estate teams. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, want any advice, please reach out to either Scott or I. We would be more than happy to help out. Um, And stay tuned for our next episode of the Pursuit of Property podcast. Thanks for joining, guys.